our own lives as a, as a pastoral family, what God is doing. And from what we're hearing from you, uh, God is doing a great work in this church. And so what a privilege to be together and to form this relationship with you and to call you our church family. So, and so thank you for voting us in as members of your church as well. <laughs> oh, my. Kenneth Trent shares an interesting incident that happened during a victorious march of Alexander the Great to conquer the known world of the Grecian Empire. A young soldier became greatly frightened in the heat of the battle, and he dropped his sword. He dropped his shield, and he fled. An officer dispatched several soldiers to apprehend the fleeing soldier and bring him back to face execution. The soldier was caught and sent to Alexander for trial. Alexander the Great looked at the frightened young man and said, What is your name, soldier? He replied, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great replied, Young man, change your ways or change your name. In an act of mercy seldom shown, the monarch said, Soldier, return to your unit and show the courage that your name implies. Show the courage that your name implies. Many of us take on the name of Jesus Christ, don't we? We call ourselves Christians. And if we call ourselves Christians, we are Christ followers. Therefore, we should take on the name of which that implies. And when your commander tells you to stand fast, what should you do? You should stand fast. At the height of adversity, that soldier ran away. He left his post. He did not stand fast as he was ordered. His military commander, however, gave him great mercy and told him to stand fast at his post. And as Christians, we are to represent the courage implied in our name as a Christian. And when Jesus tells us to stand fast, we should probably stand fast. So what does it mean? What does it mean to stand fast? To stand fast is meant to hold your position. When somebody tells you, some of you have been in the military, right? When your CO, when your commanding officer tells you to stand fast, what is that commanding officer telling you to do? Stay at attention. Don't do anything else. What else? Somebody tells you to stand fast, what are you to do? Obey. <laughs> Stay where you are. And maybe if you're holding a position, a military position, even against all of the pressures, the forces that are against you, what should you do? Run away? No, you better not. If your commanding officer tells you to stand fast in the, in the face of adversity, you are to hold your position. 
Don't drop your weapon. Don't drop your shield. Don't run away. Don't flee. But stay right where you are doing what your commanding officer told you to do. Maybe it's not just a physical holding of a position, but maybe it's also holding a belief, a faith. Some definitions convey a sense of refusing to abandon one's position or even refusing to abandon one's thinking. Scripture indicates that believers in God, followers of Jesus, are to stand fast, hold your position, hold your faith in Jesus Christ. Do not abandon your belief in Jesus. And so for the month of October, we have been in the book of Philippians. We've been learning to live is Christ. And we are challenged to live confidently. We are challenged to live with humility. We have been challenged to live goal-oriented lives focused on Jesus Christ. And today we finish our sermon series in Philippians by standing fast. So please open your Bibles to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul is finishing up this letter to the believers in Philippi. He has shared from his prison to all of the Philippians that needed to be encouraged. But one last encouragement is here in chapter 4. He shared all that he has had to share, but there's just one more thing that he needs to share with those believers in Philippi. And so as he finishes this letter, we have to back it up just a few verses. In the previous chapter, in the verses, at the end of chapter 3, we begin to build our context for what Paul is writing about when he says, stand fast. Paul has declared that as Christ followers, our citizenship is where? Is it here in the United States of America? Is it in Rome? Is that where your citizenship would be? Is, uh, are you a card-carrying Jew or a card-carrying uh, African from an African country? Or where is your citizenship ultimately if you are a Christ follower? It's in heaven. So Paul is reminding us that First and foremost, your citizenship is in heaven. And since Jesus is our leader and we are under his authority and we are participants in his government, he tells you and I, he commands you and I to stand fast. Hold the line, hold your position, do not flee. Do not abandon your belief. Do not abandon your faith in Jesus Christ. Stand fast. When your commander tells you to stand fast, it's because there are forces coming against you. There are things that will enter into your life, circumstances, people who will tempt you or attempt to move you from your position, people who will tend to draw you away from Jesus Christ. But Paul is reminding us here in Scripture, stand 
fast. There are other places in Scripture where Paul writes about standing fast. In fact, if you go to the beginning of Philippians, turn with me to chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you, what? Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, stand fast in Jesus Christ, in one spirit, in unity, in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Stand fast in your belief in Jesus Christ. Paul, again, he likes, he loves this phrase, stand fast, because if you turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. These are the final words his, to his first, in his first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in what? In faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with. Stand fast, doing works in love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such, and to everyone who works and labors with us. Stand fast in faith. Be bold, be strong. Stand fast in your works of love toward one another. Stand fast. Do not be distracted. So you have decided that standing fast is what you want to do in the Lord, right? You want to hold your faith, hold your position in Jesus Christ? But now what? What do you do? When your commanding officer tells you to stand fast, now what do you do? You just stand there and twiddle your thumbs? Do you think, how boring is this? I'd rather be out there doing something else fighting the battle the way that I want to fight the battle. I hear what you're saying, Pastor Ira, stand fast, but I'd rather be out there living my life the way that I want to do it. But Jesus has told us, stand fast. Are you telling me that I just need to sit here and, and show up from Sabbath to Sabbath and be bored out of my mind? I'd like to submit to you that the next few verses in Philippians chapter 4 tells us exactly how we can stand fast. So turn back with me to Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. And then verse 2. He, he starts to describe two Christian women in Philippi. I implore Euodia, and I implore Syntyche. 
to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul understands that sometimes in the church, there are two women who bicker. <laughs> it, is, it is kind of funny. And he says, stand fast. But here's how you stand fast when you find that there are people in the church who bicker. You encourage them to be united. You encourage them to stop the bickering and be united in Jesus Christ. If you want to stand fast, if you want to be a, a part of a church that stands fast, we encourage one another to stop the bickering. And then all of a sudden, your, your journey to church from Sabbath to Sabbath is no longer boring, is it? We're constantly encouraging one another to be united in Jesus Christ. If there is bickering within the church, stop. If you want to appreciate your pastor, <laughs> if you want to appreciate any pastor, Let's just stop the bickering. Stand fast is what Paul is calling us to do. He knows what's going on in the church in Philippi. He loves the church in Philippi. He cannot stop doting on them. He, he, he flowers words of affirmation on them. And every time he remembers them, joy fills his heart and he rejoices. But yet he still knows that there is that bickering that happens within the church. Stop and stand fast. So to stand fast is to pursue unity and take our differences to Jesus Christ, take it to the cross. And so the first aspect of standing fast is, if you're taking notes, you write unity. Unity. First aspect of five is unity in Jesus Christ. The next aspect, the second aspect, we find in verse 4. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The second aspect of standing fast is rejoicing. Over and over again, Paul models and encourages Christians to have joy and to rejoice even in the midst of difficulty. Remember, Paul is writing from prison. And he has suffered much in persecution, even being shipwrecked and still rejoicing in the Lord. If you want to stand fast as Jesus has commanded you to do, you must rejoice and rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. This shows, this rejoicing shows a profound trust, a profound faith in Jesus even in the face of suffering and persecution. How many of you are facing suffering right now? If you want to stand fast in the midst of your suffering, you are called to rejoice. And again, Paul says, rejoice. So the second aspect of standing fast is rejoicing. The first was unity. The second is rejoicing. The third 
is <laughs> the third is gentleness. Gentleness. Let's read verse 5 here together. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This third aspect of, re- of uh, standing fast is rejoicing. Paul would rather Christians be known as being gentle rather than harsh or violent acts. In a time and a culture when it is popular to bully Christians and persecute them, Paul was not looking to retaliate. Perhaps he takes his cue from Jesus on the cross or even Stephen when he was being stoned for his faith in Jesus Christ. To be known for gentleness means that you have gone out of your way to be gentle, maybe even when you, should, you could have retaliated. Church family, if we are to be known as people who stand fast in Jesus Christ, let gentleness be the lead action. Even when you could have retaliated. Now, I know this is hard when your siblings are picking on you. I know this is hard when your spouse has just persecuted you. This is hard within your own family tree. This is hard at work, your boss, your co-workers. This is hard when your, your neighbor is just doing things to make you clench your fist. But if we are to stand fast in Jesus Christ, we are to lead with gentleness. So as a Christ follower, let gentleness be a part of your words and your actions. Be gentle, not just with your actions. actions. Be gentle with your thoughts. Be gentle with your emotions, your, your feelings. So this third aspect of standing fast is gentleness. The first was unity. The second is rejoicing. The third is gentleness. The fourth we find in verses 6 through 7. Paul writes, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This is fantastic stuff. Christ is calling us to stand fast. Paul understands this. He says, stand fast. And so our fourth aspect of standing fast is to be anxious for nothing. How many of you fall into that category? Kind of. I see a few. Hannah is raising her hand boldly. She is anxious for nothing because her grandma is sitting next to her. Her mom and dad are there and they care for all of her needs. Our children should be anxious for nothing, right? But then something happens when we come into teenage years. We get into high school. We go uh, into our young adulthood. and we Adulting is hard, isn't it? And it seems like 
Anxiousness is just at every turn. That's all we do is we're anxious for many things. And Paul here is saying, if you want to stand fast with him, stand fast in the Lord, be anxious for nothing. Well, how do you do that? Paul's prescription, if he could write a prescription, he says, be anxious for nothing. But he says, here's what you you can do. And he outlines it right there in verses 6 and 7. Here's what you do if you do not want to be anxious for anything. In everything, pray. In everything, bring your request to God. So in prayer and supplication, that's what you need to do. You want to live a a somewhat anxious, free life, bring it to God in prayer. Come to Him with your request. Come to Him with thanksgiving, all right? Be thankful for what the Lord is doing in your life. You want to be anxious for nothing? Be thankful. Let your request be made known to God. And what happens? When you come to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I don't know if you've ever been there before, right? Where in your anxiousness, in all of your questioning, God gifted you with His peace and you couldn't understand it. Have you ever been there before? where the Lord overwhelmed you with His peace and you just couldn't figure it out. And you, and you try to figure it out and you try to figure it out and you just need to stop figuring it out and embrace that peace that God is gifting you with. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? It will guard your hearts. Everywhere you look, you have these signs in front of homes that tell you about what kind of security they have for their home, right? And maybe you went ahead and and got a dog that will protect your home. Or you hire some kind of security for your business. And we do all sorts of things to protect us and to provide peace for us. But apparently, when we go to God in prayer and supplication, His peace will guard your heart and your mind. How many want that type of peace? This is fantastic, don't you think? This actually is good news. Because this is Jesus Christ. So the fourth aspect of standing fast is be anxious for nothing. Number one was unity. Number two was? Number three is? Number four is? Anxious for nothing, which ultimately is the peace of God in your life. Our fifth and final aspect from our passage here regarding standing fast is found in verse 8. Verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Where Paul says, meditate. 
meditate. Now, when Scripture advocates meditating, this is not the Eastern meditation where you empty your mind and, and you're waiting for the possibility of some type of evil to enter into your life. No, that's not this type of meditating. Here, Paul says, when you meditate, meditate on good things, godly things. This meditation is not emptying, but filling your mind with godly things. And by filling your mind with godly things, what happens to the evil things? Goes away. When you fill your mind with godly things, the evil things have to leave your mind. And so Paul writes, think on these things, things that are noble, things that are just. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely, of good report, that are virtuous, that are praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. Which means what happens to your afternoon soap opera? It, it's, it's probably, it probably has to go. It has to. What happens to the social media type stuff, the stuff that's negative out there? What happens to it? It's got to go. When you fill your mind with godly things, what happens to the, to the violent video games? What happens to the entertainment? When you fill your mind with godly things, what happens to all of the evil things? It's got to go. Think on these things, and all of the evil will begin to fade away. This is Paul's prescription here. If you want to stand fast with him in Jesus Christ, number five aspect of standing fast is to meditate on godly things. Number one was unity. Number two was Rejoicing. Number three, number four, anxious for nothing. Number five, meditate on godly things. You know, Paul knows what it's like to stand fast. He has exercised these five aspects of standing fast, and he knows intimately the power of God with each one. And so in verse 9, Read with me there. Verse 9, he writes, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in who? He says, in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul sticks himself out there as a model. Now, I want to be careful of that. I, I, I don't know that I could do that like Paul. But Paul is so confident in the transformation that God has done in his life that now he can stand out there and say, follow me. Because Paul knows that when you follow Paul, you're not actually following Paul. Who are you following? You're following Jesus Christ. You're following God. And we, too, you and I, can have that same confidence. That when we stand fast in Jesus Christ with these five aspects, it's no longer you that are standing fast, right? Who's standing for you? 
it's got to be Jesus Christ. And so now you can say to the younger generations, you can say to your adult kids, you can say to your children, to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, you can now tell them, you can follow me as I model standing fast in Jesus Christ. What would begin to happen to our churches when we do this? And I know we lament the fact that our young people are leaving the church. Why are they leaving the church? It's because of people like me. It's because God's people are not standing fast in Jesus Christ. And so Paul can say with confidence, hey, stand fast with me. Stand fast in Jesus Christ, and the God of peace will be with you. Is this good news? This is good news for our church, isn't it? Because we, Downers Grove, Seventh-day Adventist Church family, can now begin to stand fast together in unity, in rejoicing, anxious for nothing, in gentleness, and thinking about godly things constantly. Paul needs to experience the power of God daily. He knows the power of God when he was in need, and even when he had much, he still knew the power of God. Paul knows what it's like to be hungry, and he knows what it's like to be full. All of this because he desires Christ and Christ alone. Jesus is his all in all. Paul has given his life to Jesus, even to the point of willingly calling himself himself a slave to Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the controversial verse, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Many of you have memorized this. Many of you have quoted this. Some of you have misquoted this, which is why I say controversial. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Can you read it with me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Have you heard that verse before? You may even see it on a, on a wall somewhere. You may even have it posted at your work in front of you. And when you get exhausted and frustrated, you're going to look at that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But remember, this is not permission for you to just go out and into a perfectly good airplane and jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a parachute and think that God is, you can do this through Christ who strengthens me. This verse is not permission for you to just go out there and do foolish things. Remember the context of this. When Paul says that he can do all things through Christ, it's because he's lived a life of suffering because of Jesus Christ. Because of his love for Jesus, he is being persecuted and he faces suffering. He knows what it's like to have a full tummy of food. He knows what it's like to be empty and starving and hungry because of his love for Jesus Christ. And so to have the patience of Jesus 
to get through all of the suffering, to get through and, and to survive the persecution, Paul says, I can do those things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Paul's context with these words is that in spite of all the sufferings, he can stand fast because it is Jesus who gives him the strength to stand fast. In all of the suffering and in spite of the persecution, Paul can do all these things. Not that he goes out to live a life of risk-taking, that Jesus will give him the strength. Paul understands that because he has dedicated his life completely, totally to Jesus, that it comes with risks. It comes with a little bit of suffering and persecution. Paul is not taking, talking of risk for his own boasting or for his own glory. Paul is risking his life for the glory of Jesus. Paul knows to live is Christ. And he can do all things through that Christ who strengthens him. Church family, let us live confidently in Jesus. Remember our first sermon in the sermon series? Let us live with humility of Jesus. Let us live goal-oriented lives on, oriented on Jesus Christ. And let us stand fast in Jesus. Some here have journeyed through this sermon series desperate for something more in their lives. Hopefully, you have come to the conclusion that Jesus is what you need more of. Some here are tired of living in doubt. Some here are tired of living in shame. And you need a higher ground of confidence, a confidence in Jesus. Some here have wallowed in their selfishness and their pride, and now you need higher ground of Christ's humility. Some here have lived a life that is lost, directionless, purposeless, and now you need the higher ground of Jesus as your only goal. And if you are ready to stand fast in Jesus today, you are ready for him to do an incredible work in you. You are ready to be transformed more into his likeness. And so I invite you at this time to come forward with me, join me here at the front to form another garden of prayer. And you would be a part of a garden that God has planted Come forward and offer yourself as a sacrifice for Jesus to grow you and to cause you to blossom because you want to stand fast in Jesus Christ. As we prepare for our closing hymn, come forward if you are ready to stand fast in Jesus, to be united with fellow believers, putting aside your own differences and letting Jesus unite us. Would you at this time Come forward. Come forward if you need to rejoice more. You've been stuck in darkness and negativity. Come forward if you need to stand fast in rejoicing. Come forward if you've acted out in anger and bitterness. Your words have been unkind. Come forward and embrace the gift of gentleness in Jesus. 
the gentleness that Jesus offers for you today, come forward, take a stand. Come forward if you have lived in anxiety for too long. You desire that peace that passes all understanding. Bask in God's peace today. Come forward, take a stand, form this garden of prayer. Come forward and stand fast, desiring to think on godly things. Your mind has been in the wrong place. You've been thinking about too much evil in your lives. You want to think now on things that are noble and just and pure, lovely, of good report, praiseworthy. Come forward and stand fast in Jesus Christ. We need to stand on that higher ground, don't we, church family? Sing with me this closing hymn, hymn number 625, Higher Ground. <laughs>